hadn't gotten a chance to meet you, or maybe this is your first time here tonight, and uh, we just want you to know that we're glad that you're here. And uh, it's, it's uh, a privilege to worship the Lord together, amen? And, uh, and, and even with our extended family, and, and not everyone who's here tonight is a member of this church or even attends this church, but we're all here to worship our Lord during this season, and what a wonderful opportunity that is. And, and to get to know each other, I pray that you'll stay around for a few minutes after we're done and, and uh, get to know each other a little bit more and, and meet somebody new and just share the, the love of Christ, amen, with each other. And uh, that's really what it's all about. I appreciate the worship team and all the work that they did to get this all put together tonight. And uh, let's give them a hand. They did a great job. Amen. They always do a, a wonderful job. And, and uh, just know this, as you clapped for them, they were clapping for the Lord because that's why they do it. And uh, they, they do what they do because they love the Lord. And uh, all, all praise all uh, honor that we give them is immediately uh, directed towards our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and that's really what matters. So um, I want to share with you, if, if you have your Bibles, I don't know if, if anyone brought their Bible tonight or not. I know it's a, a lot about the music and, and things, but we want to share a little bit from God's Word tonight. So Luke chapter number two, it's the go-to passage, right? You know, everyone knows, you probably didn't even need to bring your Bible tonight because everyone knows Luke chapter number two by heart. And um, so I'm going to start there, but that's not going to be where I end. Um, I want to really dwell on a, another text of Scripture just for a few minutes. We don't want to keep you long tonight, but uh, we, we would be remiss not to um, present the gospel to you tonight. If there's someone here, Christmas is, you know, for a lot of us, Christmas is really a, just a wonderful, joyful time. But did you know that it's one of the most difficult times for a lot of people as well? that uh, the Christmas season is really, really hard on people who have perhaps lost a loved one or a family member or um, who have been through lots of difficulties and struggles. And so while we see the, the positive in it, there are people who, and maybe there's someone even here, God has brought somebody here tonight and had you walk through these doors and you've just had a horrible year. And you, maybe you've had a horrible life. Maybe you've had a horrible week. Maybe you've had a bad day. Um, we would be wrong for not sharing you with, with you what Jesus Christ is capable of doing. And so that's what we're going to do for the next few minutes and um, just try to touch your heart, um, present you to the Lord, and, and uh, see what he's capable of doing. So Luke chapter number 2, again, you're all familiar with the passage of Scripture. I'm just going to read the story of the Lord's birth. And uh, beginning in verse number 1, the Bible says, In, in those days... A decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration when Cyrenius was governing over Syria. And all went to be registered, each one to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And if you can just, just, just for a moment, if you can, if you can go there, if, if it's possible, and it's so difficult sometimes, our, our imaginations are so limited, but, but just, just put yourself there. 
And, and, and God the Son has just been born into this world. And, 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 and he's crying, and his mother and his father are there with him, and, and they're treasuring him, and they're in a manger. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a place of, uh, of, of honor, a, a place really of, um, of lack. Um, there's so much here to, to, that we could, we could unpack, but, but I just want you to, to kind of go there and, and, and see the, see the uh, story unfold and know who this is that's going to be born into this world to bring salvation to mankind. The Bible says in verse number 8, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that shall be for all the people. For unto us, is, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you that you will find this baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he, with whom he is pleased. When the angel went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord hath made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of the eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angels before he was conceived in the womb." As we see in this story and as we've been un unpacking on Sunday mornings, we've been looking at Jesus Christ and, uh, through the Gospels and we've been seeing who this child was that was born into this world and we looked at the fact that Jesus Christ is the king, that on that morning what was born, what laid in that stable was, was the king of the world. And we know that his kingdom is yet to come. And, and yes, if you're a believer, his kingdom is in your heart, but there's a, a kingdom that is to come. And, and, that, and that baby that was laying in the manger there that morning was the king. It was the king of the world. He wasn't only a king, but we found out in the book of Mark that he was a servant as well. That he came to carry out some of the most difficult tasks that anybody has ever been asked to do. Jesus Christ came to serve the Heavenly Father in becoming a substitutionary atonement or a sacrifice for the sins of His people. There's never been a greater sacrifice made. There's never been a greater request made of a master to a servant. And we see in the book of Mark all of the wonderful things that Jesus Christ did as a servant to His Father who is in heaven. We looked last week at the book of Luke and how Jesus Christ was a man he was absolutely 100% man and 100% God. And in his humanity, he was a sufficient sacrifice, meaning God demanded there be a, a, a human to die in the place of humans. And God the Son came to earth and, and became a man. He didn't just take on a human form in the sense of, 
of dwelling in a body, he became a man. And he hung on the tree in the place for us. We'll learn tomorrow if you come that Jesus Christ is God. That when, if you can picture for, with me for a moment that lying in that manger scene with all the animals around, Mary and Joseph there, and, and, and the hay and the discomfort and all of those things, I want you to know this, that God laid in that manger. That God the Son was in that manger that morning. What an amazing thing to imagine and to consider. We not only know that he was in those four things we see in this in the Gospels, but where I want to spend a few minutes this morning is in the book, this evening is in the book of Hebrews. I often get my mornings and evenings mixed up, so forgive me. I think I, I think I welcome some people tonight by saying good morning. So all that tells you is I took a nap this afternoon, right? If you say good morning, that means you took a nap this afternoon. In Hebrews chapter number 7, the Bible refers to Jesus Christ as the high priest. And so we have, we have the king, we have the servant, the man, and God. But what I want to spend just a few minutes on is talking about Jesus Christ as our high priest. The high priest is something very significant. It goes back to the Old Testament. God established men to represent man in his presence. So, so once a year, the high priest would take a sacrifice. It, it, there were certain characteristics of that sacrifice that had to be there. It had to be pure. It had to be uh, young. There, there were a lot of different things that had to be um, a part of it. And he would, the high priest would enter into the Holy of Holies, and he would make this sacrifice to the Lord. And the sacrifice, when the sacrifice was accepted by the Lord, then what it meant was that, that God had accepted all of the people. God had accepted them for a, a, a period of time. It wasn't an eternal acceptance. It was a temporary, once-a-year acceptance. And every year, that same sacrifice had to be made so that then God would accept those people for that period of time. And if the sacrifice was not acceptable before God, then that meant that God had not accepted the people. So this was, this was extraordinarily important because the, what the people knew is every time that high priest entered into that holy of holies, their acceptance by God was was at risk. Had they brought the wrong sacrifice or had the high priest not brought the correct sacrifice, then all of the people would, would face the consequences for that not being accepted by God for that year. In Hebrews chapter number 7, the Bible refers to the fact that Jesus Christ is our high priest. And he makes a distinction between the high priest of the Old Testament and the high priest of the New Testament. And I just want to point some things out to you about the high priest of the New Testament. The Bible says this, if you have your Bibles, um, Hebrews 7, verse 23. The Bible says the former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in the office. So, so in other words, every time a, a priest would die, there would be another priest that would come on the scene. And it was a, it was a continual process. The, the priest uh, passed away and, and another priest came on and and they would stand in the place of the people for a season until they passed away. And then another priest would come on and they would stand in the place of the people. The Bible says, but he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. And the he in this passage is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the high priest of the new covenant. 
and he holds his priesthood forever. In other words, his priesthood doesn't end. It's, it's an eternal priesthood. The, the Old Testament priest, they would die and then they would, another one would come on. The, the new covenant priest was Jesus Christ himself and there was never a need for another priest because he is an eternal priest because he was God. Uh, Paul told Timothy, there is one mediator between God and man. And that's what a priest was. It was a mediator. There's one mediator between God and man. The man, Christ Jesus. There is one who can go between us and make us accepted and acceptable by God. There is one. That is why Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father lest they come through or in me. So it's so important to understand that as we, as we come to the Lord Jesus, as we come to, to God the Father, we, we must come with the proper sacrifice. We must come and be accepted in his sight. If we're not accepted in his sight, then, then we will be judged and, and ultimately condemned. The Bible says, so he is an eternal, the Lord Jesus Christ is an eternal priesthood, meaning he his priesthood never ends. There's never going to be another priest to come on the scene. The Bible says, goes on and says, because he has, continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that he, would, uh, that he should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those other high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sin and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the promise, which comes later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever." So what we learn about the, the, the sacrifice, we learn, first of all, about Jesus Christ, the high priest, and not just Jesus Christ, the high priest, but, but remember this as well. Jesus Christ was not just the high priest, but he was also the sacrifice that the high priest made. Okay? He, this is why John 10, the Bible says, no one takes my life from me, I lay it down of my own accord, right? So Jesus Christ laid his own, it's almost like he is the high priest and the sacrifice that is being made to save people from their sins. And everything about his, his, his high priest, his being high priest and the sacrifice, he, it is eternal, it talks about it being holy, it is innocent, it is unstained, the Bible says, it is separated from sinners, it is divine. All of these things are meant to describe for us the sufficiency of, what, of Jesus Christ as high priest, meaning that he entered into the holy of holies on his own merit, but also the sacrifice, meaning that it was sufficient to satisfy God on behalf of all those who believe in him. Listen, folks, if we come, if we in our audacity come to God in any other way than through Jesus Christ, we will face his ultimate wrath and judgment. Because our works cannot bring us into God's favor, but Jesus Christ's works can, and they do. Let me focus on this for a moment. The Bible says in verse um, 
25, 24, verse 25, consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. And I just want, to, I want you to think with me for a moment about this idea of saving to the uttermost. There's, there's a few things that, that go along with it. The, the word literally means uh, a fully or, or wholly, completely. And there are three things that we could connect to that. Number one is Jesus Christ is able, is capable of saving anyone. We want to remember that. Jesus Christ is capable of saving anyone. No one falls outside of the lines of Jesus Christ's sufficiency. The sacrifice that Jesus Christ made was sufficient that anyone who comes and accepts or anyone who comes and embraces the work of Christ in his sacrifice will find deliverance and salvation. Anyone who embraces what Jesus Christ did will find salvation. He's able to save utterly, completely. So it means anyone. It means, number two, that it is a full salvation, meaning that he's able to save us from the bottom of our feet to the top of our head. He's able to save all of us, right? doesn't just save part of us, but he's able to save all of us. When the Lord Jesus Christ saves us, he takes ownership of who we are, and he begins the process of sanctifying us and conforming us into the image of himself. He saves all of us. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, If anyone be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Jesus Christ is capable, whatever you're dealing with today, whatever you're going through, whatever your hardship is, listen to me, Jesus Christ is capable of delivering you. He's capable of saving us to the uttermost, fully, all of us, not just partially. So it's anyone can be saved. It's it's a full salvation. And the last thing is simply this. It is an eternal salvation. When Jesus Christ saves you, he doesn't save you for a season. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter number 10 that he made one sacrifice for sins. He made one sacrifice for all sins. So that's my sins in the past, my sins in the present, my sins in the future. You see, what's interesting is is when when I got saved, when I embraced what Jesus Christ did for me, My salvation was not based upon anything that I had done, but everything on what Jesus Christ had done for me. And let me submit to you that my continuing to be saved is not based upon anything that I have done, but it's based everything on what Jesus Christ has done for me. You see, this Christmas season is all about Jesus. It's not about us. We get to bless each other with gifts, but this is all about Jesus. This is about the birth of of the Savior of the world, the one who is able to take our lives. And and yes, he can save us from, from drugs, and he can save us from alcohol, and he can save us from all of these things. But listen to me. Jesus Christ came into the world to save us from sin. He came to save us from sin so that we could one day stand in the presence of God the Father and be accepted and be and be loved and be embraced as a child. He made one sacrifice for all 
of our sins. And what's interesting is he says this in the text. He says this. He also continues to make intercession for us. That means that every day he stands on our behalf before the Father and says, the, the devil comes, Revelation says this, the devil comes to the Father every day and accuses us. And you know what the Lord Jesus Christ does? He stands in heaven and says, he's mine. She's mine. The devil can't bring any accusations against somebody who is the Lord's. None. Lastly, Jesus' gift that we've just talked about that can save to the uttermost, Jesus' gift is given to all those who come to him. The Bible says in John 6, 37, all that the Father gives to me will come to me, and those who come to me I will never cast out. And 1 John 1, 9, he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen, my, my, my challenge to you this, this Christmas, I, I'm, I'm so glad that you came, and I, and I love the Christmas season. I just pray that you get what Christmas is really all about. That the gifts that are under the tree are great, but the gift that hung on a tree is greater. And the salvation that he brings is way more significant than the gifts that you're going to unwrap in two days. I'm going to have the worship team start making their way up here to the front. I'm just going to read a simple benediction here and, and pray. I believe we have one last song before we close. The Bible tells us in the book of Jude, at the end, he says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only true God and Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all times, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Father, we do thank you so much that you sent your son into this world, and Jesus Christ, that you were willing to come, that you gave up your life so that we might have life. And I pray that if there's anyone here that's sitting in our congregation, that's listening to the gospel, I pray that they would have their eyes open and their ears open to see and to receive the gospel, the work of Christ for salvation, and that they might be changed forever. I pray that you would bless the remainder of our service, bless those who are here. Lord God, may you be glorified in and through us in Christ's name.